evening, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, thank you to those uh, members of the public who have come this evening. A very warm welcome to you. I have to say you have totally trumped Saffron Walden. There are far more visitors tonight than we normally get in Saffron Walden, so uh, many thanks for coming. And uh, I, we'll obviously review the idea of taking Cabinet around Uttlesford, but uh, the numbers here certainly get us off to a very good start. Um, just to remind the meeting that it is broadcast live, so um, just be circumspect, please, in uh, some of your comments. Um, uh, we do have two members of the public who wish to uh, ask questions, stroke, raise points, and I will ask them to do that uh, now, ahead of the core agenda. Um, so, uh, the first question is from a Mr. Nicholas Buhayenko-Smith. I hope I've got, uh, pronounced your name correctly. Um, I have the question in front of me if you wanted me to read it, but otherwise please come to a microphone and uh, pose your question. Or alternatively... Okay. Uh, the question is, in relation to the Planning Inspector's report, does the Council see any positives from the Planning Inspector's report that we can build upon? And... Uh, if you're content, this is an agenda item, so if I could deal with that at the agenda item, and then I think it would naturally flow through to the general discussion about the new um, Uttlesford Planning Policy Working Group. Um, uh, the other uh, uh, public speaker is a Mr. Brian Baldwin of Takeley Community Centre. I think you're speaking on the item on day centres, so again, please come to the microphone if you wish. Okay. Sorry? If it would be more practical, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, if that would suit you, yeah, that's good. Okay, right, thank you very much indeed. We'll now go into item one on our agenda, which is apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Councillor Cheatham. I'd better just mention that I think it's a non-pecuniary that I am a member, well, I'm actually the president of the Takeley Community Centre and a member of their, board, of their management committee. I'm put there by the council but I will be speaking on that item. I think that allow, I was allowed to speak at scrutiny, Michael. I think I came and saw you about it before, so, so I'm just declaring it as a non-pecuniary. Chairman? Yep, Councillor Barker. Chairman, could I declare an interest as a member of Essex County Council in respect to the extra care scheme which our Essex County Council are part funding? Thank you. Are there any other apologies or declarations of interest? Okay, thank you. Minutes of the previous meeting, are they a true record of what took place? They are. Okay, in which case we'll move on to item three, which is matters arising. Matters arising on CA 58. 59. Chairman, on, on 58, could I just say this at page six, the second paragraph, um, I think you meant that all future meetings would be in public. It just says meeting. Yes, this is uh, true. Thank you. All future meetings of what was then called the Local Plan Working Group, which is now called the Uttlesford Planning Policy Working Group. Thank you for that. Uh, 659, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66. Councillor Barker. Could we correct the officer's name? I believe it was... Fiona Gardner, not Gardner. Thank you. Well observed. Thank you. 67. Oh, we're discussing it later on. Yeah. 
Uh, we're not particularly discussing Ferrycroft car park. We're discussing... Okay. 68. 69. Which is also on the agenda. Okay. Welcome to the uh, further members of the public who have arrived since I first welcomed. There are two or three more chairs in a pile there if uh, you wish to make yourself comfortable. We are now moving on to uh, item four, which is questions or statements from non-executive members of the council. Are, any, are there any of those? Councillor Dean. I thought, I thought, Mr Chairman, it might be useful if I made a couple of comments at this stage in the agenda. I'm not a member of the Cabinet and I, I can't stay for the whole of the meeting, but I'd just like to make a couple of observations on items 9 on the local plan and on 11 on developer contributions, if I may, and then probably that's the easiest way to deal with it. If you want, and then you can, if you are sticking to the original order on, on the agenda. I think, I think the, only, the thing that I want to say about the, the proposed setting up of the local plan uh, working group and by the way since the um, papers were published uh, the, the Liberal Democrat group have put forward uh, two members to join that uh, one of them is myself and the other is Janice Lachlan um, and we will be pleased to rejoin it particularly because um, it's now going to be held in public and therefore it will be possible for there to be greater uh, public accountability. That was, one of what was, what was the main reason why the Lib Dems previously withdrew from the group. But, but, but in terms of how the, the group operates, I think there are, there are two things that, well the things you're going to be discussing are for instance a, a, pr a protocol for involving or allowing members of the public to speak. Um, in my opinion, the, the proposal that's on, on the table on the, in the papers uh, tonight are too restrictive. They're very much like a, what happens at a development sorry at a planning committee, whereby if people wish to speak for or against the planning application, then they're allowed uh, strictly uh, three minutes at the beginning of the item to, to, to put their point of view. Um, I, I, that is um, a, a regulatory committee and I can understand why it works in that way. Uh, a working group like this is, is not a decision-making committee. It's a committee that's got to come up with ideas, got to think things through, kick them around, hear uh, views from wherever, including members of the public, and, and then come up with recommendations uh, to either this cabinet or to to the full council. So I think it's a very different beast, or should, should be a very different beast once it gets, gets underway. So I, I think there's a case for members of the public who, wished, who have a contribution to make. Maybe they make a contribution either at the beginning of the meeting or at the beginning of, a, of an item that's being discussed, but I think there should be scope for them to come back uh, if they hear something that either they agree with or disagree with or they've got some new information that uh, comes to mind as a result of the discussion. So either come back during the discussion 
or, or at the end to sum up. And I think that that would at least be a, a, a better step in the right direction to make the people, the public feel that they are um, much more, well, are involved directly, whereas previously they haven't been, and, but that they're involved in a way where they can make a useful contribution rather than a set-piece statement at the beginning. So I think that's, I think that's the main point I want to make. And, and all I will say at this point, I know there's, there's no desire from the Cabinet to involve non-councillors on the working group at the moment. All I would say is that I think we should keep an open mind as to whether, as time goes on, um, appropriate members of the public might be co-opted on, you know, on, on occasions for short periods of time for particular meetings or whatever in order to uh, have greater involvement and, and I think to kind of uh, lift that uh, cloak of um, secrecy that, that certainly has been the perception in the past. So those are the points that I'd like to leave with you for your discussion later in the meeting, if I may. And, and if I may f just f go on to the item 11, which is about um, developer contributions towards local infrastructure and, well, in particular, to, towards affordable housing. I don't think there's anybody on this cabinet of whatever persuasion who is happy with the uh, government's uh, regulations. I was at the December meeting and that's the impression I got and that's good. What I would like to suggest, I, re I read this morning the um, representations that the council made back on the 1st of May last year, which was sent to the Department of Communities and Local Government. Fine, I've no, no problem with that whatsoever. But I, it was brought to my attention in yesterday's Society Guardian, an article about affordable housing, affordable rural housing under threat. And this was, this was based on uh, the same sort of complaints that I think have been voiced here from um, Derbyshire Dales District Council, and there's quotations from uh, Councillor Lewis Rose, who is the Conservative leader of that council. They, like us, are very unhappy that the government is clamping down and, and restricting the, uh, the funding that can be collected from smaller, uh, applications, smaller applications. They, they have been, it would appear, made a lot of noise because they got in the newspaper. Um, they've, they've complained to their local MP, who happens to be the Transport Secretary, and they're, I think, uh, petitioning Eric Pickles, who I guess is as much behind this as anybody else, you know, to say it's not acceptable. And I'm, all I would like to suggest is that this council takes the matter up again and goes back to whoever we think we can lobby to make sure that uh, they, they know and that there's no uncertainty that we're very, very unhappy about the um, cutback in funding for affordable housing, which is a, an area that we've got to do as much as we can to, to improve. So... With those comments, Mr. Chairman, yeah. I think that's really right. what I wanted to say. Yeah, let's certainly Thank take you. note uh, of those when we come to. Are there any other questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council? In which case, I propose to move to item five, matters referred to the executive, which I don't believe there are any, which then takes us on to item six, which is the reports from 
performance uh, and audit and the scrutiny committees. If I take performance and audit first, because we obviously have a, an item on scrutiny, which is the day centres. So is there anything, Councillor Howell, that you wish to raise from performance and audit? Thank you very much. Um, okay, I'll now encourage Mr Baldwin to make his comments um, on the Takeley Day Centre, and then I will then ask Councillor Godwin to, uh, to talk about the scrutiny report on the day centres. I'm sorry about that sort of rumbling sound that you're hearing in the background. Apparently this is the judo club, uh, so hopefully they stay out there and we don't get attacked. But um, <coughs> Mr Baldwin. Yes, I'm Mr Chairman. The point I would like to make regarding the um, future of our community centre in Takeley, um, the village has expanded considerably when the uh, community centre was originally built in the late, I think, 1970s. I think, I think it was about 76, 77. Um, in the scrutiny uh, document, there was a suggestion that if the centre was closed, um, travelling to another centre for our lunches. Um, I don't think that is really acceptable. A large percentage, about 65% of the people who currently attend our community centre for lunches, live within easy walking distance of the centre. Um, so if you're going to start bussing people to either Dunmo or one of the other centres, I don't think it's really on. And I wonder if you ever thought of the logistics of this, because somebody was saying, use a community coach. From our experience of using community coaches, limited accommodation on them, particularly when you get two or three disabled people with buggies, um, I can see you're going to have two or three community coaches. You may get them full, you may not. I don't think the logistics are going to work out. Um, the price of the meals... now. As probably most of you have read this document, realise that our price of our meals are much lower than any of the other centres. And I don't think many of us would want to travel and pay considerably more for a meal. Um, then we come on to the future of this building, which is an important thing. Um, I know it's been up for some years. It does require a lot of attention. Uh, obviously, the roof being a flat roof was not... In, I suppose in hindsight the best idea but that's what we've got now we, w we still want a community centre in the village um, because apart from the lunches part of it it is used by a lot of other organisations not every week but a lot of them use them for coffee mornings for Sunday lunches for the church, for Helen Rolson Hill committees and things like that. Now, you've got the choice of do you rebuild it or do we look somewhere else? Now, I think there's an alternative. There is the old school house in the Brewer's End part of what is known as Brewer's End part of Takeley, which is a centre part of a village. And I feel this is somewhere you might be looking as a possibility. Um, we also are looking for a permanent position or permanent uh, building for our youth club, which is expanding considerably. And I think the opportunity could be there of developing that old schoolhouse into a very good modern community centre. 
that's the points I would like this committee to consider. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Mr. Ball, and we've heard uh, very uh, <coughs> clearly what. Uh, what you've said. I, I would just like to make one point of context to both uh, members of the audience and to the uh, wider audience listening in, that um, the proposals that you have before you this evening in the paper are not, is, is, are not proposals at this stage from the Cabinet. Uh, it, it, they are the summary of a scrutiny examination of day centres, and we're obviously going now to take that forward. So uh, I think it's important to make that point. Um, and, you know, we respect that each day centre has its own management committee. There is a degree of independence, and obviously that has to be balanced with some degree of consistency uh, across Uttlesford. But thank you very much, and, and uh, we'll, we'll have a discussion on that subject. I'm now going to call upon Councillor Godwin, who chairs the scrutiny committee uh, for a summary of the report, and then I will go to Councillor Chambers, who will respond on behalf of the Cabinet, and then I'll open it up to uh, the Cabinet for discussion. Uh, I would like to point out the report, the report that the Cabinet has in front of them now is not the same as the one which went to the scrutiny committee. Since the meeting, the recommendations have changed, and certainly uh, there's no suggestion that any centre be closed. But there, is, uh, there are uh, several issues, because the whole uh, review was a very, very positive experience, and um, it involved long hours put in by officers and four scrutiny committee members. Of a group divided into two teams, one to consider the running of the day centres and all matters associated with this, while the other met the users, staff and some committee members as available and discussed as many issues as possible with them. They would ask the Cabinet to, to consider the recommendations very carefully and make a decision so that the service of the five day centres, which is a really valuable resource, can be strengthened and improved further. The members of the, each group visited each centre and, in most cases, uh, were able to sample a very good lunch. All the lunches were good, it's just sometimes the members had other things they had to do. Um, they talked to both the users and the members of the management committee, and it's from these discussions, it was quite clear that those who did use the centres enjoyed their lunches and the total experience, and that the volunteers on the various management committees were seriously stretched, but amazingly provided excellent food and service. From this, the um, committee saw that more support of the volunteers is urgently needed if they are to maintain the services, as well as to understand the statutory procedures, such as safeguarding, employment issues, running a charity, and all the statutory checks. At present, they are volunteers, and they have had in most cases, no training in any of this. Um, some centres do not even have up-to-date accounts and experience difficulties with payroll, and I think it's something that everybody can understand who doesn't run their own business. And given this background, it isn't surprising that new volunteers are hard to find. But all those who used the centres had nothing but praise for all staff and the volunteers. Uh, 
Two centres were experiencing diminishing numbers at the times of the visits last September, but since then the problem has been addressed and I understand that numbers in both these centres are rising. Some have rebranded themselves and changed the name away from Day Centre as this was felt that it was a bit of a put-off and um, they, they were very concerned that it, this wasn't the right kind of name for this day and age. Um, there are issues, as has been said, with one of the buildings. There are also other places where people can go which offer special deals for pensioners, but it is to be borne in mind that these places do not offer the same level of care as all the day centres do. They really are a very valuable resource for the community at large. The challenge they face is to reach more people, and as Athelsford is the rural district it is, there are transport issues to be considered for out-of-town residents. Um, one gentleman at one of the centres said he simply could not afford to come more than once a week because his fares in were exorbitant. It was quite clear that uh, the centres were trying to, where possible, generate additional income through lettings. And I think from the report it's quite clear how the, the money is, it comes back to the centres. But it was also very, very clear to the team that there is a need for more officer support and this could perhaps extend to cover the statutory functions which are causing so many difficulties for the volunteer committees. There is a lot of goodwill surrounding the day centres. Those who use them, love them, and have come to rely upon them. If we are to care for our elderly, we need to strengthen them and to help them to run as efficiently as possible. And these centres must be viable, but without the high levels of stress which some of the volunteers are experiencing. The committee hopes the Cabinet will continue to consider this report in depth and implement the recommendations so that they could be put into place as soon as possible. Thank you very much Any indeed. questions on this, I'm happy to answer. Well, I'm sure we'll have the discussion and I'm sure questions will emerge during the course of that. Um, so just to summarise, the recommendations are as in agenda item six. So I'll read those out. Um, that officers should be requested to investigate the feasibility of providing a fixed term, brackets one year, part-time resource, brackets 18 and a half hours, to provide support and assistance to the day centres. That a review of the management agreements between the council and the management committees that have responsibility for the day centres should be undertaken. This should reflect the changes in responsibilities of both the council and management committees and include agreed service levels, monitoring and the relevant communication channels. Those are your two yes. primary recommendations. I'll ask um, Councillor Chambers to respond to that and then I'll open it up to uh, the Cabinet. Thank you, Leader. Uh, Leader, uh, uh, when you start talking about elderly people, we are getting into a situation now where the population is growing, or will over the next few years, uh, the elderly population will grow and grow. 
You've only heard in the last few days where the average lifespan is now, I don't know, about three score and ten plus a few more, and certainly in Uttlesford it's higher because we have a higher standard of living, thankfully. Uh, so in a few years' time we are going to have a lot more old age pensioners, as indeed I should declare an interest, I'm an old age pensioner, uh, and proud to be so. Uh, but it is vitally important that we do, as a district council, try and help elderly people. Now, I do welcome Mr Baldwin's report. Uh, thank you, Mr Baldwin. Uh, I can assure you that the council has no intention of bussing elderly people from one place to another. Over my dead body, that will happen. I'm probably speaking out of turn with the leader now, but I do feel quite passionately about this because over the years I've had a lot of experience with elderly people. And elderly people now, particularly those who live on their own, have perhaps got no relatives. What do they do? They need to have some support from whoever it is and some help and more importantly, some companionship that they can have. Loneliness is something I think that is very underestimated in this country. It is something where I've been to lots of people who live on their own, and they are desperately lonely, and they just want somebody to talk to. And the day centres are part of what we, as a district council, are trying to provide. So I do thank you for your comments. But I do understand about the, the busing I feel passionately about. You cannot bus elderly people about. We must ensure that those five day centres are run in a proper way with help to, those, uh, to the person who actually I hope we are going to agree to take on part time. But to help those volunteers understand things better and have less stressful times, uh, Councillor Mrs Godwin, than perhaps one or two of them are now. So, you know, elderly people are becoming a larger proportion of the population. We as a district council want to continue with those day centres which have been extremely successful. And hopefully over the next 12 months, through having some extra support <coughs> for those volunteers and indeed looking at other issues, the council will be able to come to a decision on where we can actually keep the facilities and also keep those facilities in Takeley, wherever those facilities might be, whether they're in the present building or whether they're in somewhere else in Takeley. But Takeley, uh, because of the amount of housing it's had, is grown, has grown enormously over the last 20 years, Mrs Cheaton? Mm. A long time, anyway. So you're talking about rather a small town than a small village now. So... Uh, there are lots of things there and there are lots of other things which we have got to look at for the future as well because the future of elderly people, lots of things we can't do and don't do like social services and things like that but there are lots of things in our own small way that we can help elderly people have a much better quality of life uh, and for not too much expense, as you, will, uh, as you will know, I'm the cabinet member for, for finance, so I obviously don't want to throw any money away, but nevertheless we want to make sure that we get a good service for elderly people within Uttlesford. Okay, Leader, thank you. I, I'd be delighted if anybody wishes to ask questions. Right, Councillor Cheatham, thank you. 
Thank you, uh, Chairman. Uh, yes, I'm uh, very pleased that the recommendations have been changed from the report that went to the Scrutiny Committee. I feel very passionately about uh, day centres across the district and very passionately about the one in my area, uh, Tateley. There's a great need for it in the village. Um, the, not only do you provide lunches, but it's an opportunity to make sure that those that come are actually coping with life, and it's an opportunity for them to actually talk to people at the day centre. If they have a problem, then they can actually maybe resolve it. And also, the committee members are very good. If somebody doesn't come for a couple of weeks, they actually do follow up to find out um, what, 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 you know, why they have not been there. Um, so I think we, it's more than just having a lunch. It's a jolly good lunch, Chairman, and I suggest that you go down and try it sometime. I think Takeley will be delighted to welcome you. I think Elizabeth did actually have lunch there. It's very good. Um, we understand that there is work got to be done on the building at the moment. It's a flat roof and there's a leak there. And um, although the, the council have been very good in trying to resolve that leak, um, unfortunately flat, flat roofs have a a length of time, they're not as good as, as pitched roofs. Um, and so I think it is a very good recommendation that we need to discuss uh, a way forward um, with this uh, facility. And I have actually been talking as the local member to both council chambers and Adrian Webb with regard to that, and yourself, with regard to that. So I think that that's something that we need to take forward. Um, I have to say that the management committee we have in Tetley is an amazing management committee. We are very lucky with the, the people that are there, that the way that they can cope. But there are some of the rules and regulations, as uh, Councillor Godwin has said, that comes down from government on how people should do things. I think that, the, that, that having a part-time officer there will help uh, other day centres. I know that Dunmo have had problems with regard to this. I see Councillor Candace in the audience. Um, she came and spoke at scrutiny about this and there are there are some problems we do produce our annual accounts anybody can see them I would like to say that the report mentioned that the, there were more people in Dunmore old age and statuses in Saffron Warden. Well, that's probably because they're larger. But also, I would like to, to, to point out that people don't go to day centres at 55 these days or even at 70. They usually go when they're over 70 because most of the time they're working until they're 70. The demographics of work have changed fantastically. You don't get your state pension now until 66, 67. It's being phased in at the moment. And so they're Therefore, it is going to be an older population which actually needs more care. And therefore, I think we have a duty as a council to actually add to that. And I'd be very happy to, to propose the recommendation that is... Thank you very much, Councillor Chisholm. Councillor Ranger. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, indeed, I do welcome this report. And I think it's um, to credit of the scrutiny committee for the depth to which it goes and the information it gives us. Um, and I, I will support the... Um, the, the motion to um, employ a part-time officer. A little bit of information that I think would help as we go forward. Um, two maps which indicate the spread of the population over 65 and over 75. They highlight where our day centres are. Um, paragraph, bear with me, of paragraph of the report, uh, paragraph 44, refers to other places that provide a service. Um, and I think if you look at the map, the, regrettably there obviously is an element of busing already occurring because the centres aren't 
um, in, in line with where the, 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 the ageing population is. So um, I, I think those maps, if they could be expanded to actually note where those other places are, that would be an aid to us as we work out the best way forward. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Ranger. Anybody else wish to speak? Councillor Redfern. Thank you, um, Chairman. Um, I'm obviously supportive of this um, report that's come from um, Scrutiny as well, but I would like to sort of remind everybody that we did look at this not, not well, not that long ago, and um, we changed the way we, um, well, we, get, we gave all the um, income back to the day centres in a hope that they would then become self-sufficient. And I know that um, particularly um, Nicole, one of our officers, does spend a lot of time giving the day centres support, even though we're not supposed to be doing that um, anymore. So I think it's an excellent idea to have um, a part-time officer that is actually dedicated to doing, to doing this, because clearly we are dealing with volunteers. It is an important service. But I do think if we're saying we're going to fund this um, position for a year, then we really need to be absolutely clear what are we going to do at the end of that year. And um, my feeling would be that we get someone we investigate the possibility of getting someone in for a year and that work with all of the day centres to actually help them be fully self-sufficient by the end of that year and that, and that we um, do all we can to help, them, to help them because, as I say, everybody is a volunteer in these situations. But, um, or, or are we going to carry on after the end of that year? I think, it, I think we just need to clarify what we're doing on that item. Yeah, briefly, if you would. Thanks. Um, it, it, I hear what Councillor Redfern is saying. I think there are some areas that can be sorted out very quickly, and I think it's to do... I'm looking at Councillor Kant, but you had some uh, administration problems with regard to, to Dunmere, and I think that, and when Councillor Kant actually tried to ask for help, she got a blank wall, I think is fair to say, with regard to that. So I think there are some issues that can be sorted very quickly, um, which will enable the day centres to move forward and be maybe more uh, self-sufficient. There is always going to be um, areas where day centres have to liaise with the council. I think we have to realise that because you own the buildings in the majority of cases, not in all of the cases, and therefore you have to realise you have a duty of care with regard to that building. So we, we are always going to need some point of... Uh, of contact when we need to, to do that. So, yes, we do, but I think by having a part-time officer dedicated, those engagement rules can be sorted out, and I feel that they can be sorted out within a year. So I do hope that the rest of the Cabinet will support this uh, recommendation that is here. Councillor Goldwyn. Thank you for letting me come back. Um, it is precisely because the people who run the day centres are volunteers. They're not paid staff. And when they see the amount of work which the existing volunteers already do, it is quite frankly, for an unpaid job, a complete turn-off. Uh, and that's why it, they are, it is very, very hard to recruit volunteers. I think quite often, in, as, it, as an element in all the day centres, that they feel they're fighting a bit of a battle on their own, but it's because they know that the people coming to them are enjoying the service so much that they carry on. I think there's a lot of perhaps expertise that could be shared, but it's not going to be able to 
uh, work for everybody. For instance, some have very good connections with local supermarkets and keep costs down that way. Uh, others haven't quite explored it, but perhaps with a member of staff, there could be a little more pooling of, of ways of work which will benefit all of the five of them. But I'm very, very anxious that the centres get support because I do think I know two of the day centres, which I'm not going to name, where volunteers are just about at breaking point. Thank you, Councillor Godwin. I hope, uh, Mr. Borwin, you're reassured by that. There is no suggestion that Takeley Day Centre will be closed, um, and uh, so that rules out the need for busing. Um, you retain the independence of the management committee in terms of the menu and uh, other details like that. So, in summary, um, the Cabinet, the Council, uh, I think the community values day centres, not necessarily as luncheon clubs, but as points where people, particularly the elderly, uh, can meet, gather uh, and um, uh, communicate. And it is a key aspect of one of our uh, objectives, which is strengthening communities, community resilience, um, recognising that we are a rural community, that isolation referred to by, and loneliness referred to by Councillor Chambers is an issue, and we must do what we can to help with that. So the recommender, so we take day centres very seriously. Now, it may well be that when we start to look uh, in even greater detail at some of these facilities, that the actual, the current building isn't the right building, and it's perfectly legitimate to have an open mind about that, uh, because it has been said these things have got to be put on a stable footing for the long term. Um, and uh, so we need, I think, to review in some of our communities the use of public buildings, whether they're put to best effect, and how they can be used as part of the uh, strengthening communities, uh, community resilience uh, uh, point. So, um, the recommendations, I won't read them out again because I've done that already, uh, but it will result in a part-time person who will be a focal point uh, to uh, help with some of the health and safety, which is irritating in some respects, but nevertheless the law, and we have to follow through, uh, accounting, uh, other uh, points that um, have to be undertaken uh, regretfully, um, or, or, or maybe not regretfully, but uh, nevertheless there will be a centre of expertise to, to, to help that, recognising that uh, volunteers are important here. They're, they're the voluntary sector in Uttlesford is so important on so many levels and in so many ways, and anything that we can do as a council, we will continue uh, to do for that. So without saying anything more, I put this recommendation to Cabinet. Those in favour, please show. Those against? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. Item 7, which is the Saffron Walden Park and Ride Scheme uh, from the County High School. I call on Councillor Barker to talk to this motion. Chairman, thank you. As members will be aware, the Ferrycroft car park in Saffron Walden is now closed and will be reconstructed as part of the, the Waitrose redevelopment. This means that for a period of around six months, there will be a loss of some 305 parking spaces in the town centre. The closure of this popular car park will cause disruption to shoppers and traders alike, but during the week, other car parks will cope with demand. On Saturdays, however... Trading is busier, and we have therefore agreed with Saffron Walden County High School the use of their 101-space Gold Zone car park between 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock each Saturday for the next six months, starting from this weekend. There will be free transport to ferry parkers between the school and Hill Street, and stewards on hand. Chairman, there are two recommendations in the report. 
Firstly, that we implement a free-to-public park and ride scheme as set out in this report. And secondly, that we allocate up to £20,000 from the Strategic Initiative Fund for this project. I have also, Chairman, asked that officers arrange for all signs to Ferrycroft to be covered up and that a sign is put up outside Saffron Walden County High School to advertise the Saturday scheme. Thank you, Councillor Parker. Do I have a second uh, for that uh, motion? Councillor Ranger. And just for the records, I think that uh, the previous uh, item was proposed by Councillor Chambers and seconded by Councillor Cheatham, so I didn't quite get the etiquette of that right. Um, Councillor Cheatham to speak. Just to say absolutely fine, uh, totally supportive of this. They say it's going to work for six months. Um, dealing with builders at the moment, it's amazing how they always run over. Do we have contingency funds that we can, we have agreement with the school that we can go on longer if we need to? Because I think once this is in place, if the car park is not back in, into um, action at the end of six months, we will need to continue it. Do we have that sort of agreement with them in principle? I can't imagine that there would be a problem with that, but if there should be a problem, then we could always continue the scheme from our own council office's car park. Uh, as an ex-retailer, um, it's very rare that retail building schemes overshoot. Others might, but theirs don't normally. Do we want to take a bet on that? <laughs> Anybody else wish to comment on this item? Uh, we're in Dunmo tonight. If uh, the same thing was happening in Dunmo, rest assured we would, be, we would do the same thing for your community as well. Um, this, is about, this is not about supporting Waitrose. This is about supporting uh, the, um, the retail um, and the High Street in Saffron Walden to make sure that the loss of 300 uh, car parking spaces is, is as mitigated as we possibly can. So those in favour of this motion? Those against? On to item 8, which is an extra care scheme, Radwinter Road in Saffron Walden. Councillor Redfern. Um, thank you, Chairman. Um, I wonder if I could ask um, Ros Millership and Doug Malin to come and just sit at the table because I think I might need my... Um trusty officers to help with this one. I think I've got it, but just in case. Thank you. Um, on becoming a um, member for housing, I went out and about with one of the officers, um, well, with several officers, actually, but on um, one occasion I went out with um, Helen and we visited several um, housing schemes and sites and two of these were Mead Court in Stansted. Sorry, one of them was Mead Court in Stansted. And the other comment she came to me with at that time was how much we needed an extra care facility in Uttlesford. And as you all know, Mead Court is now well underway. And here I am happily um, presenting the opportunity to have an extra care scheme in Saffron Walden. So... Um, Basically, the provision of this extra care um, scheme is a, is a key target in our housing strategy. And this site is agreed an affordable element of a large development of homes provided by Countryside in Saffron Walden. <clears throat> the 106 states that Countryside are to transfer the land at nil cost with the site cleared and, re and fully serviced. The Council has luckily engaged with East Thames Housing Association to deliver this scheme. 
and the final detailed application was for 73 apartments consisting of 40 affordable rented apartments, 20 shared ownership apartments and 13 private sale apartments. The 13 private sale apartments have been included within this proposal to help fund the scheme so this will assist with the financial viability issues. The scheme provides 49 one-bedroom apartments and 24 two-bedroom apartments and all are self-contained with balconies and access to communal facilities. The detailed application was heard at the planning committee yesterday and I was hoping to be able to tell you that that has received um, its planning permission or its full planning permission. In fact, it has been deferred by the um, committee for a month to pending further discussion on the clarification of what extra care is. I have to say I do find this um, really disappointing, um, particularly as some members of that committee even came with us when we, we took a lot of residents from Reynolds Court in Newport to look at um, a scheme in Linton. We were asking them to look at the type of building that it was, but um, actually the building that it was um, was an extra care unit and um, maybe I should have taken the planning committee with us as well at that time but never mind, it's been deferred for a month and I hope that um, at the next planning um, committee all the members will feel happy and it will proceed, proceed through. The external funding secured for this project is Essex County Council are allocating 983000 um, East Thames have a recycled grant that is um, 500,000 and a recycled grant is basically where they have sold some properties themselves but need to reuse that grant to provide other facilities so we'll be getting that. The HCA are providing uh, 1,217,000. East Thames are also, as, as I said, there's um, some apartments of a private sale and we expect that to raise approximately 600,000 and that will also be used in the um, uh, building of this project. So what I'm asking is that um, Cabinet support um, the idea that um, we will, will contribute 500,000 and this is coming from commuted sums that we will be collecting from um, affordable housing contributions I'm sure we'll have a bit more to say on that later, but um, we have um, we, what we're proposing to use is the Friends School development um, have paid 28,000, Keir Green Nurseries 120,000, and Churchill Retirement Living. Um, once the 16th property in that um, site is occupied, we will get 395,000 for them. So um, this is. The, we are asking to allocate 500,000 of this community sum which will enable this much needed facility to be delivered um, as soon as possible um, and I will just like to point out that this will be the only extra care unit that we will have in Uttlesford at this time we have nothing of this type at the moment so what I would like to ask is that Cabinet um, approves us the allocation of 500,000 towards the delivery of this very special extra care housing scheme in Radwinter Road, Saffron Walden. I'd be happy to take any questions. Thank you. Uh, do I have a seconder for this motion, Councillor Cheatham? So just before we go on to this item, I, I should have said, if you could minute please, our grateful thanks to the County High School for the offer of their car parking capacity. Uh, uh, it's, uh, we're very grateful to them. 
Um, okay, who would like to... Well, Councillor Howell caught my eye first, and then Councillor Cheatham, Councillor Walters, Councillor Ranger. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. I, I'm not a member of the Planning Committee, so I'm not aware of that committee's concerns, so I will await the minutes with interest. Um, and I welcome the, the proposal in principle, and I acknowledge that it is a much-needed development, and I, I think statistically that that's, that's clearly demonstrated. But my concern is slightly more esoteric than that. It, it's an aesthetic one. I'm, I'm frankly quite concerned and disappointed with the physical appearance of the proposed development. Um, I, I recognise that, that it's not the primary concern, but it is a concern because it will be there for 40, 50 years. It, in my view, is completely out of keeping with the um, market town environment in which it sits, and certainly in the, in the urban setting. Um, it is three storeys, and I recognise the entry into Saffron Morgan from Radwinter is, is not particularly attractive because Tesco's have put up a, 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 a Lego land building on the other side of the road, um, and it constantly disappoints me how commercial enterprises and municipal organisations consistently fail to show any imagination when it comes to putting up public buildings or commercial buildings. Um, it, it is, in, in, to my mind, completely out of keeping. I know that the partner is East Thames Housing Association. It seems to me very much a building that somebody has taken off the shelf and is similar to a dozen, a hundred that they've built elsewhere. Um, I really do feel that we need to consider, reconsider the design of the building. It is, as I say, out of keeping with the, the character of Saffron Morgan, um, and I think it will very fast be voted the, the ugliest building in Uttlesford. Although there is a close mm -hmm. second on the, on the Thaxted Road already in existence, but it is of that par, on, on a par with that. Before we move on to other questions, do either Council Redfern or officers wish to comment on the design of the building? I mean, I think as, as was raised at, at planning committee, I mean, we've, we've had uh, the East Thames Housing Association had um, a lot of discussion with planners at pre-planning application stage. Uh, they've taken actually a view in terms of what what is there in that location at that part of Randrinter Road. And, and, and as you know, Councillor Howell said, there's, you've got across the road, you've got Tesco's, which obviously is nothing particularly special. There aren't really any major or important bits of architecture in that part of the, uh, in that part of the town, the the three-storey nature of the of the development works because of the sloping nature of the site. It slopes very much up the hill, so you actually a lot of the, the building actually builds into the ground. So it actually follows the slope of the hill naturally. They are pulling out elements from the design of the private sale housing, which will be countryside housing in terms of the windows, materials, and all the rest of that. So the materials will actually fit in very much with what is going to be there in the vernacular of the area. Um, but they have gone for um, what is quite a contemporary look, and, and I, would, I would state that it isn't perhaps one which has come off the shelf. I, I know the, the architects and, what, and, and the nature of the work that they do. Um, but certainly a lot of the design, for instance, with the size of the windows, is taking account of the, the people who will be living within those properties, and quite often they are elderly, maybe frail elderly, who spend a lot of time sitting in their living rooms. And... For instance, like the full-height windows are there, so people can actually see out rather than seeing a windowsill or the sky where they're sitting in their chairs. So there, is, there are actual real purpose behind some of the design elements in this building. 
Thank you for that. And it's not for Cabinet tonight to be talking about the design. That's a matter for the Planning Committee, so I don't intend to prolong that discussion. But the Chairman of the Planning Committee is here, so I'm sure she'll take note, uh, and there are other members of the Planning Committee, so I'm sure they'll take note of your comment, Councillor Howell. Um, Councillor Cheatham, then Councillor Walters. I just want to make one point is that, that, uh, to Councillor Howe that actually one of the great things about this is that they have all have balconies and I think that has a lot to do with the design and I know that as people get frail and elderly one of the wonderful things that if you have a, an apartment or flat apartment's a very American word uh, flat as we all call it in this country is if you can actually walk out a door and sit on a nice sunny day in the winter on your balcony, it makes a huge difference to your life if you're elderly. And so I think that has been taken into the design quite a lot. I was disappointed that this was not put through at the uh, planning committee yesterday. I think there was some confusion on what an extra care facility means. I think paragraph 9 of the cabinet report um, maybe needed to be given to the um, committee, but that will come back at the next meeting um, in, one, um, in one month's time. I've asked for it that it's definitely at that meeting and I believe there will be a fuller paper for the members to see. I think that this is, I'm very happy to second this if this has not been seconded, or did I second it already? Um, uh, because I think this is a very needed um, facility within our district. It's not only for the members of Saffron Walden, it's for the members of Uttlesford. And to get 40 affordable sheltered, I would call them, they're a bit like our sheltered accommodation, but, but gone on by another 30, 40 years. Getting flats for those who cannot afford the rather large prices attached to some of the privately um, private sector sheltered flats. It is a wonderful thing that we are able to give to our residents of Uttlesford, and I am very supportive of this. Uh, just to remind everybody, that's out of a total of 73, but as you rightly say, 40 affordable, affordable rent. Councillor Walters. Thank you. Uh, I think it's an excellent initiative. I welcome it. I think it would be a wonderful asset to have in Saffron. I'm mindful of what um, Councillor Howell has said, because I think design is terribly important on all these projects, but we're not here tonight to talk about that design. I don't find this personally offensive at all. I think it looks quite nice, and uh, I will welcome it, and I will support it. Thank you, Councillor Walters. Um, Councillor Barker, or, or was it Councillor Ranger then? Councillor Barker, thank you. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, the Planning Committee is very supportive of the principle of this scheme. Um, after all, it was us that gave it uh, outline consent. Um, there were areas of concern, and I expressed them, um, about how the care element of this scheme is actually going to work, and, and it's the extra care. Um, I, I, I obsess with detail, and I looked at the plans very thoroughly um, before coming to the planning meeting, and there were some internal layout issues that I had, and if... Um, it, just for one example, there was an area noted on the ground floor for treatment room. Now that's where, from what we can gain from the information, was where a visiting GP or practitioner for some other purpose would come and treat a resident, if not in their own home. And that was pitifully small. And I thought that that, coupled with some of the other areas that um, didn't seem to hold together too well, and the fact that 
we have an issue in the NHS in as much that they don't ask enough from developers, from developments, to fund the extra investment we need in GP services. Um, that's one issue. And the consideration of how people from this scheme, if they're admitted into hospital, can be released from hospital to avoid backlogging beds when it may be that the extra care facility that they need within their home environment, which is their apartment, and the extra care bits that are bolted on, has got to be sufficient for that to happen. Um, I looked through the design and access statements and I couldn't find enough information in the application that satisfied me that we weren't going to approve something that further down the road would not be giving the resultant service to the residents that we hoped it would. So I asked for a deferment for a month for clarification of those sort of issues um, and the, the, the discussions for that should be held between our officers, um, East London, NHS England and CCG if we can get them there and I spoke yesterday with my planning committee members hat on. I'm speaking tonight with my members who's got the responsibility for health and welfare's hat on, and I would expect to be involved in those discussions. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Um, as we are in Dumbo, I just would like to make the residents here aware that an extra care scheme is planned for Dumbo as part of the Smith Farm development. I think it's intended that that is a 55-bed scheme, and in due course, plans will come forward for that. So it's not all saffron wall, and we will be getting some of the things we need down this part of the world as well. Thank you. Okay, there are no other speakers. Um, I don't want to um, comment further on the planning committee, but in terms of the principle of this, it really does give me huge pride uh, and satisfaction that we are um, hopefully going to embark on our first, and then, as Councillor Barker said, our second extra care home. The clue is slightly in the name. It is more than a care home. Um, a, a number of the residents will be um, spend most of their time in bed, um, and uh, we all know what's happening in the NHS at the moment, and part of the problem is not being able to get out of hospital. Um, so this will not only be good for the residents of Uttlesford, and particularly as uh, a large proportion of the um, apartments are or flats are affordable in other words the, 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 they, they won't have to be dependent on their own means um, it, I, I think is hugely satisfying and uh, long overdue for us and uh, as uh, said earlier uh, about uh, day centres probably part of the future we're an ageing population and we've got to be considering at every opportunity how we're going to deal with that scenario so thank you uh, colleagues, those in favour of this motion, just to remind uh, those listening that the, the recommendation is that the Cabinet approves the allocation of £500,000 towards the delivery of this extra care housing scheme. And just to also remind you that this is not new money, this is money that has been allocated from uh, 106 and other arrangements and, 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 and other contributors. So uh, it, it is not being money taken from anything else. Those in favour? Those against? Passed unanimously. Item 9, local plan update and next steps. Thank you very much, officers. Thank you. And I will 
start, if I may, by responding to Mr. Nicholas Budhanko-Smith's um, Are There Any Positives? Um, I've been accused in the press of just concentrating on the positives, but you've actually given me an opportunity to do that. But I'm sure there will be other comments that will come out as well. In terms of the positives, um, the inspector uh, did support... Um, the uh, Council's housing land supply position. As you probably know, we must have five years land supply, uh, otherwise we are exposed to um, those developments. Well, we might be exposed anyway, but having a five-year land supply does give us quite a considerable degree of extra protection. So he did support that. So that was, that was the first point. Um, there is support for the countryside protection zone around the airport. I think that's another key point that he also referred to. There was support for the main development site allocation at Saffron Walden in strategic terms. Uh, there was general support for the policies 2, 3, 4 and 4 for Great Dunmo that together provide for housing, a health centre site, a site for a new secondary school and the redevelopment of the existing Helen Romanus school site. Um, there was support for the employment land review and its recommendations as to sites that should be newly allocated, continue to be allocated or safeguarded or reallocated for other uses um, that are supported, including a range of policies for employment land at Stansted Airport, Stansted Mount Fitchett and Saffron Walden, and, and these were declared sound. There was support for the settlement classification, that's the main villages, smaller villages, etc., so there was support for that as well. Um, I will refer to his closing comments, um, whether you consider this to be a key positive, but he, uh, he talked about some form of new settlement or settlements uh, potentially forming an appropriate means for catering for the long-term growth of the district. Um, the critical mass of such proposals and the limits as to how far our relatively small towns can grow sustainably, uh, which are also useful pointers for us. Now, they may not be considered a, a, you know, something good, but he's given us a, a clear steer, and I'll come on to talk about the committee in the moment. And I think um, you know, the report clearly is a material consideration in deciding planning applications until a new plan is adopted. So, um, you know, it was... I think we know what he didn't like, which were the numbers, which is something of, uh, of major frustration to this council and many others, um, and, um, and, 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 and Elsenham. Uh, the other thing I'd like to say is that the chief executive has written to all the group leaders, uh, Councillor Mackman is still here, but uh, certainly Councillor Dean as well would have had this, um, following uh, the resolution of full council at its meeting in December regarding the local plan examination, which gave him the power to do this, basically. He is proposing to withdraw the submission draft plan from the examination process and advise the planning inspectorate that a programme for preparing a revised plan will be approved shortly. Um, basically, what uh, the inspector uh, did was to comment, as I've indicated, on those key aspects, many others, but those two key aspects, and also referred to the six-month period. If uh, his um, concerns could be dealt with within a six-month period, then we'd be in a different position. But uh, the numbers in particular, which include, and he re-emphasised the point, a duty to cooperate with neighbouring district councils uh, and what that means in, in simple language is that we have to talk to South Cams, Braintree, uh, Epping Forest, 
East Hearts, Harlow, um, in terms of how their local plan is looking. Um, and uh, they could say to us, we've got to provide, whatever the number is, 700 houses a year, and we simply can't do it. We need some help from you. Now, that is a negotiation, as you can imagine, because... It, it, we're not looking to increase the number that the I, I, inspector indicated, which is currently standing at 580. But we have that duty to cooperate. We did it for the plan that uh, is now suspended, um, and the inspector was, was content with our duty to cooperate, but we have to go through that process again. So to do that is going to take time. Um, and um, when we have completed that and have got a fairly clear idea of what the new number is, and we've had a steer from the inspector, but as I say, the further activity to do, we will come up with a new number. And it's at that point, then, obviously, we need to consider what happens next. And I don't want to make any comment about that, because it would be inappropriate, because we'll, have it go, we'll go through the process. So those are two um, context setter in terms of, I hope that answers your question, uh, but happy to, um, if you want to come back, uh, please do. Um, and and, and uh, the announcement that the Chief, uh, Chief Executive uh, made this morning to the other leaders. In terms of the report, the recommendations are uh, to note this report and, and the inspector's um, uh, report as well, to, to agree the formation of an Uttlesford Planning Policy Working Group, which takes the place of the old Local Plan Working Group, um, and that is in page uh, item 12 of uh, our report. So, um, I'll, I'll read that out. The Council now needs to move forward to prepare an updated plan, taking on board the comments made by the Inspector. A report will be prepared for the Uttlesford Planning Policy Working Group, which is due to meet on the 26th of January. Uh, to agree the membership of the Uttlesford Planning Policy Working Group, and uh, this is a cross-party membership, and I'm delighted that all parties have indicated that they want to take part, so that is, that is, that is good. To agree the terms of reference of this working group, and they're laid out in paragraph it says 14 actually on the page, but it's actually 15. Um, and the terms of reference are to give advice and guidance to officers in progressing the local plan and other planning guidance and report recommendations to Cabinet. This working group will meet in public and include public speaking, and I'll elaborate a little bit on that. Uh, and, of course, recommendations to Cabinet then have to be ratified by full council. Um, so um, this, this will always be something that has to, be, has to go through full council. And uh, finally, to disband the former local plan working group. Now, in terms of uh, the way that we uh, are going to operate, um, and I'll try and bear in mind uh, Councillor Dean's uh, points, um, this, uh, this, this working group uh, will be in public, very similar as we are now. It will be recorded, very similar as we are now. Um, the addition to the working group, which we haven't got tonight, is that before, well we sort of did, but before each item there will be an opportunity for up to 15 minutes before each agenda item for any member of the public to talk for up to three minutes. Uh, there will also be an opportunity for other councillors who aren't on the working group to also talk, and that will not be part of the 15 minutes. So there will be 15 minutes dedicated to the public. Councillor Dean said that they should then have a, a, a right of comeback. Um, we're not going to write that into uh, the... Um, um, 
actual um, uh, behaviour, but obviously it is at the discretion of the chairman. So if I feel it's important that there is a right of comeback, then it's at my discretion to make that happen. But I think you can imagine, otherwise it could become just an endless debate. Um, so that is a, a, an important point. I think it deals with, because I very much want members of the public, whether they're uh, members by themselves or whether they're a parish, part of a parish council or a town council uh, or whatever they are, and presumably this might also include the developers themselves, so we need to be mindful of that too, uh, to have that opportunity to speak, as I say, and for everybody to hear that. Um, the meetings will be held in the evening to make it uh, even uh, easier for anybody to attend and uh, as I say uh, it, this is a working group it only makes recommendations which will be heard by cabinet and then by full council so I hope that uh, Uttlesford as a whole will see the full transparency of what is going on um, and will be able to take part I, I would suggest to you that the process is quite statutory driven so I took you to the point where we're going to have to decide uh, new numbers. Uh, the inspector has given us a strong clue that that will be uh, potentially a new settlement or new settlements. Now, clearly, that has got to go through a process. But if that were to be the case, then that would uh, call upon a call for sites. Uh, in other words, where might this new settlement go? There would be submissions on that. Uh, and each of those submissions, and the, the one thing that the, um, the coalition has done to help us is that where uh, before a local plan submission was fairly loose, to be honest with you, uh, they've tightened that up. So it's almost at the point now where it's a planning application. So when, first of all, the working group and then, uh, and, and, uh, and all of this obviously will be consulted upon as well, um, so when they're being considered, aspects of infrastructure, uh, accessibility, sustainability will very much be taken into account and, and there will be detailed plans to that effect. And the working group will have to agree and it will have to be, they will have to be ratified what the criteria of assessing one potential new site against another is going to be. So there will absolutely be no political tinkering. Um, this, this will be a transparent objective process. So to a certain extent, I hope that people will see how that process develops. Um, and ultimately, of course, a decision will have to be taken. And I think it's important that whether I'm the leader of this council next June or somebody else is, um, Uttlesford are going to have to build houses currently proposed at the rate of 580, so it won't go below that figure. After the duty to cooperate, it is possible that it will go up. And let me stress, not because we want it to go up, but because if we don't get it right, the inspector won't approve the number. So there will be a number of houses that will have to be built. The, the, the clear clue is that it needs a new settlement. Um, and that decision will have to be taken. It doesn't matter whether which party you are, what your political beliefs are, um, that, that that is where we will end up. And I think it's quite important that we bear that in mind. So as far as I'm concerned, whilst I remain leader and hopefully longer than May the 7th, I just want everybody to understand the process that we're undertaking, that they have confidence in the process, that they respect that it is objective and they respect that it is a professional process. So I don't think I really need to say any more about that. I think I've covered all the core points. Um, and I 
proposed those recommendations, so I need a seconder, Councillor Barker, and I open it now to my Cabinet colleagues, and uh, if there are particular points from the, um, from the audience, I'm sure my colleagues would indulge that. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm very happy to support this um, proposal. Um, there's just a couple of things I'd like to say. Um, one is, I've never been a member of the um, local plan working group, but I have been a regular attender, and it is my intention to carry on doing that, and I hope that lots of other members of the council and members of the public will, will take this opportunity to um, also be um, involved. But one key piece of information for us missing on this is the, working, the next working group is Monday the 26th of January it doesn't say what time so if you seven, could just make that known um, but I'm very supportive of this. Thank you and I should just have added that there will only be two members of the cabinet um, the, 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 the group is 12 strong um, and there will only be two members of the cabinet myself as the leader who will chair the, um, the working group and Councillor Barker who is the portfolio holder for this subject. Councillor Cheatham well, unlike uh, Councillor Redfern, I've been on the local working plan for seven years and I will not be on it anymore, but I will, like Councillor Redfern, join the ranks of, of uh, members that will attend because I feel this is a very important piece of work that this council has to do. I am very disappointed that the, that the plan has been stopped and will be withdrawn, but I can understand the reasoning behind it. We do have to build houses. Unfortunately, we're going to have to build houses, uh, more houses than we hope. The numbers always seem to move every time we get to one. Uh, what I would like to know, and it's something that I'm being asked already, is um, when the call for sites will go out, I've been asked that question, and also when we will have a timetable to know vaguely when the end date is in sight. So I don't know whether that will be in the first meeting, whether that will come up or not, but I think there's people out there who are asking me that now, because they think it's very important, because of course at the moment it means the MPPF is the ruling document for all planning applications that come up. Uh, the, um, we will set out a, a timetable as best that we can um, gauge that. That will be at the first meeting. Uh, you will appreciate, Councillor Cheatham, that we need to do another housing market needs assessment, um, and these things uh, take, uh, uh, take time. And as I say, the duty to cooperate means that we've got to meet with five councils, and that just by the na very nature. We, we, are, we intend to proceed at fullest speed. Uh, because the quicker we know the number, the quicker we can get on with this. I suspect, if, uh, if, but as I say, don't quote me in, uh, on this, but I suspect it will be sort of uh, early summerish June time before we get, um, we've completed the new number aspect of it. But uh, it could take longer. Any other comments? Members of the public, would you uh, like to ask me any questions? At, yeah. Could you just say who you are and where you're from? And do you want to, so, so it's broadcast, uh, if you come to the microphone, so everybody out, the hundreds of people that are listening into this meeting can... Uh... Thank you. My name is Nikki Parsons. I work for developers that operate in your district, and I'm currently involved in the inquiry taking place for a site in Thaxted. And the one important 
piece of information that we would like to know and that we haven't been able to fully establish from the committee papers that have been out at the moment is, is the council now adopting 580 as its new housing target going forward from today? I'll take advice from uh, the Chief Executive or Mr Harborough, but I think the answer to that is no, because um, we had a figure of 523 in what we considered to be our emerging local plan. The inspector indicated that due to market conditions that we should consider an extra 10%, but he did add this key point about the duty to, co to cooperate, uh, so I think that's a very material aspect. Um, but the good news is we have a five-year land supply even on 580 houses. Uh, Mr Harborough. Yes, I anticipate the, uh, the reason for asking that question is our assessment of uh, our five-year land supply. Uh, for the purposes of the five-year land supply, yes, we will be working on the basis of the, um, the inspector's figure of 580 dwellings a year. But that's not the, the figure that we'll be working to necessarily in relation to the new submission draft local plan. That will be informed by, as the leader has indicated, the ongoing work on the housing market update uh, and the outcome of the duty to cooperate discussions. Can, can I ask one more yep. So does that mean, is it fair to call your 580 figure an interim figure that you'll be using for monitoring purposes until such time as you've got your, your new housing targets agreed? Mr Harper. Yes, yeah, Use for monitoring purposes, yes. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, I put the recommendations which I read out uh, to the committee. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Item 10. Um, lighter and... Uh, Easier matters, conservation area appraisals. This is always, a, for the, those of you who haven't uh, attended our cabinet meetings before, um, as I'm sure Councillor Barker will, will add to, these area appraisals of some of the most beautiful parts uh, of our district are fantastic pieces of work. Um, and together, actually, they create a, a really good library uh, of Uttlesford. Sorry, I've stolen, stolen your best lines, All Councillor right. Barker. Chairman, thank you. I am delighted to present the Audien conservation appraisal. In Attlesford, there are 36 conservation areas, and as you'll be aware, this council has a duty to periodically review these areas. And this area, first designated in 1968, was last reviewed in 1977. I'd like to start by thanking Mr Tice, who's here this evening, and other officers who put this item together. It has rather more historic content than some of the other appraisals, mainly due to the availability of much information about the history of Audley End House. Audley End Conservation Area comprises only 35 buildings, of which 20 are listed. It covers the Audley End Estate, now in the ownership of English Heritage, and the College of St Mark, in the ownership of the Diocese of Chomsford. The report specifically complements both these organisations for the high standard of care taken to maintain these heritage assets. The conservation area has Grade 1 listed buildings in the form of Audley End House, St Mark's College and the Adam Bridge, as well as a scheduled ancient monument in the form of an Iron Age hill fort at Ring Hill. The Capability Brown Gardens and Park are also registered Grade 1. The cottages leading to St Mark's are listed Grade 2 star. The area is bisected by a Roman road and the River Cam, which forms the boundary between the parishes of Saffron Walden and Littlebury. 
What we see at Audley End House today has changed many times over the centuries. A priory was established by Geoffrey de Mandeville between 1139 and 1143, around the same time as the castle in Saffron Walden. This became an abbey in 1190. In 1538, the abbey and lands were surrendered to King Henry VIII, who then granted them to Thomas Audley, who converted them between 1538 and 44. The abbey is no more, and the house, some of which remains today, was built between 1605 and 1614. I say some of which because on page 118 you can see the size that the house reached as it peaked in 1686. The report details many owners and changes over the centuries. In more recent times, the death of the 7th Lord Braybrook in 1941 resulted in the house being requisitioned for war use. There are still signs of the war in the form of a pillbox and roadblocks, as this site abuts the GHQ line, which was built to contain an expected German invasion. The house was used as a training base for the Dutch and Polish Special Operations Executive. Elsewhere in the conservation area, St Mark's College was built on the site of the former hospital to the estate in the early 17th century. It served as almshouses for many years and is now a wedding venue and conference centre. The report details the use of different building materials, including clunch, which is a chalky limestone rock used for Audley End House itself. The boundaries are varied with brick, flint walling and hedging, giving variety. Chairman, there are two proposals to amend the conservation area. The first is to exclude a small area of open woodland and grass verge to the east of the village. The second is to include part of the Audley End estate, namely the walled kitchen garden, the Elysian garden, Tea House Bridge and the Temple of Concord. These features all sit within the immediate park. This amendment therefore looks to include the whole of the area currently designated as the Audley End Scheduled Monument within the conservation area. There are also two management proposals in relation to the area as set out, namely to seek to remove overhead utility services and to carry out some work on a spalled wall and unsightly pipework in the vicinity of the Fulton Slade. It is pleasing to note that the third issue highlighted, that of a cracked wall and damaged pump, have already been attended to. Chairman, I move the recommendations. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Do I have a second for that? Uh, Councillor Ranger, um, and if I may, Councillor Barker, I'll just read out the recommendations uh, as listed on our Cabinet papers, that the conservation area appraised will be approved and used to assist in the process of determining planning applications and for implementing management proposals. Secondly, that the Audley and Conservation Area boundary be formally amended as... um, uh, as Councillor Barker has indicated. So it is, a, it, it is an important document in appraisal um, and uh, is, is material in planning and other management considerations. Does anybody wish to comment on this? Councillor Cheetham. Just to say, another jewel in our crown. We've got lots of it, but this is quite beautiful. I do hope at the end of doing all these appraisals we will have a library of them so that the public can come in and look at them because we get copies of them, but they are, they are very good. These, and a lot of work goes in by a lot of volunteers to these appraisals, which I think we should thank them for doing them because they are very good and also the officer that's been in charge of them. They are all available on the website, and um, I have my own file at home. I think uh, I, I, I reiterate the thanks to 
Uh, Mr. Tice, the great piece of work. But you raise an interesting point whether they might perhaps be put into a book. We'll have a, we'll have a think about that. Maybe you could have a, a, a think, Mr. Tice. Yeah. Um, okay, those in favour of these recommendations? Those against? Thank you very much. Carried. Item 11, Developer Contributions Guidance. Councillor Barker. Chairman, um, for members of the public, um, we produce a development contribution guidance uh, for development. Um, this details the expected contributions that developers will make, whether in the terms of affordable housing or a financial contribution, um, when a major development is planned. Um, there have been recent changes to this um, set out by the government the government, and we did bring these changes to Cabinet last month. However, this report highlights a further revision to this guidance in light of further legal advice. The previous report brought to Cabinet differentiated when contributions for affordable housing could be sought from a development in an urban or a rural area, setting the threshold at five units in a rural area and ten in an urban area. Questions have been raised by developers and further advice sought. It has come apparent that Uttlesford has no parishes that are classed as rural under the National Planning Policy Guidance and Section 157 of the Housing Act. The amendment today therefore raises the threshold at which contributions can be sought to 11 or more houses or developments of 10 or less where the gross floor space is greater than 1,000 square metres. Chairman, this further amendment will result in a reduction of affordable housing or financial contributions which will further restrict our ability to provide much-needed affordable housing for our residents. This is a retrograde step, and I would ask you, as leader of this council, to write to the appropriate minister and our MP expressing our serious concerns. We have no option but to adopt this policy, as it is national guidance, but do so very reluctantly. Chairman, I would also like to point out that in the detailed guidance as published, we need to remove the second bullet point of paragraph 2.7 which refers to developments under the threshold of 10. But the proposal, Chairman, is therefore to adopt... Sorry, The proposal, Chairman, is to adopt a revised developer contributions guidance, which is in accordance with the National Planning Practice, planning practice Guidance as a material planning consideration. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Do I have a seconder for this? Councillor Ranger. I, I saw Councillor Redfern's hand first, then Councillor Cheatham, then Councillor Redfern, uh, uh, Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> I remained fairly quiet at um, Cabinet last time when we discussed this, and I chose to abstain from the vote. I will again abstain from this, but I feel I cannot remain quite as quiet. I do not understand how our coalition government can, in what feels like a whim, remove the affordable contribution to below, below 10 houses when it's almost the same week as their inspector stopped our local development plan with a comment about us not addressing our affordable housing need. <clears throat> we as a council are doing all we can to address our ever-increasing housing list and this change just makes this job harder. If we had a problem collecting um, our contributions for properties um, in this district. We don't have a problem. We have houses being built all the time. We collect our contribution. If we had a problem collecting this, I could understand why we would change our policy. We don't have a problem. And just this evening, we've approved spending half a million pounds of um, 
sums that were, that were collected as affordable um, housing contributions on our first extra care scheme. As a, member for, as a member of this council for housing, I cannot support this and ask that the leader, I support what Susan says, and ask that the leader writes to Eric Pickles and our leader, David Cameron, and ask how can this be fair to treat a council like us, who've done everything we can to follow their guidance and do what we should, collect our sums and then have the carpet ripped from under us. And so I'm really sorry, it's very unusual for me not to support um, this cabinet, but I really cannot support this um, this item. Councillor Cheatham. Well, I'm going to echo quite a lot of what Councillor Redfern has said. Um, as I said at the planning committee yesterday, in one, one area we're told we're, we're too rural to put um, houses. In the next one, we're told we're not rural enough. I find that the, that the departments of the government uh, seem to work under different rules. I'm appalled at this. We live in a very expensive area, and the one thing we have is an ever-expanding uh, waiting list for uh, housing, affordable housing, and here we are cutting out quite a lot of opportunity to collect monies to put, uh, to put towards that affordable housing. We do quite a lot of developments of under 10, uh, uh, under 11 houses, because it's 11 that we, 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 we now can collect some money. And I am appalled that this government seems to have bent to the developers' cries that they couldn't afford to do it. I agree with Councillor Refn, we've never had a problem in collecting the money from the developers. Some of the very small on one or two, but when it has been explained to them. I have people saying to me that they are third generation residents of this area and they cannot afford to buy a house because of the expense. Therefore, they look to us to help them get that either through total rental or affordable. I'm afraid I shall be abstaining on this. I totally endorse what Councillor Barker has said that we need to write to uh, Mr. Eric Pickles. We need to also write to David Cameron and we need to write to the LGA to see if we can get backing through the LGA that we can raise this through there. We are members of the Local Government Association. We are not the only council that is very unhappy at this um, attitude of the government that, they, that, that we can stop collecting money on houses under 11. So I do feel we need to move forward on that. Uh, it is amazing that we have managed to find half a million to help with some, uh, I hope, which will go forward, some sheltered accommodation, but we also need to help other people with start-up homes, as well, with, with, with small apartments and houses. So I'm afraid I cannot vote for this. I shall abstain. Councillor Ranger. Yes, uh, thank you, Chairman. Um, I did second the proposal um, because we are, in fact, pinned down by the neck by a cleft stick and we have to adopt it. So um, I'm very supportive of the arguments put forward by my colleagues, uh, Councillor Redfern and Councillor um, Cheatham. However, you know, it, we have no option. I, I also support Councillor Barker's uh, recommendation that we lobby... Um, the government for um, an attempt to change this. However, I feel that won't happen. But we should also be asking local government organisation to pressure the government to relax the cap on local authority borrowing um, because we are capped. Um, we negotiated a housing revenue account, self-financing, 
and within all of the um, machinations that went on there, we would have had in our minds the, um, the ability to have contributions coming in from um, developments of the nature that are now being denied us. Um, so if that cap could be uh, lifted, then the local authorities could approach the market um, or even the Public Works Loan Board to uh, free themselves up to, in fact, invest in more housing, more affordable housing. Councillor Walters. Uh, I have to agree without a shadow of doubt what uh, Councillor Redfern and Councillor Cheaton have said, and I simply can't find myself um, voting for this. Um, I can't vote against it because it looks as if there's nothing much we can do about it. But what we can do is abstain from it. I intend to abstain. Councillor Chambers. Leader, I don't intend to abstain, but I have to say I do agree with the comments that are made. When you look at something on paragraph 11, which says the district has no parishes which are defined as rural, then... I suppose there are a few rural communities, as I know well, in the north of Scotland, but there must be some rural communities in the south as well. I fully understand. I, I do not like having to make the decision at the moment, but I do think it is crucial that we put forward very, very forcibly how we feel. Because otherwise, if we don't, we should just do the same as... Very often we have to do, roll over and accept it. That's one of the things, I think, why the reason with some of the problems with the local plan. We have to supply houses. There's nobody in this room or anybody in Uttlesford that can say we're not going to have any more housing because it doesn't work like that. But when you consider what we are trying to do, more affordable housing, and then we're having things taken away from us, then I'm sorry, but it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't tie up. Localism? What localism? Because we're taking away the opportunity of building new homes for people who desperately want to stay and work in Uttlesford but cannot afford it. Until we put our foot down and say something has got to be done, and it'll have to be collectively because we on our own will not succeed, then maybe... Whichever government it is will realise that they've got to have a look for, for a more, from my point of view, a common sense point of view that you've got to have houses for people to live in, but you've also got to have houses that people can afford. So I will have to go along with it because that is the law, if you like, and we have to. But I do urge you to beef up a little bit what Councillor Barker has said and do everything possible, and I'm asking Councillor Cheatham as uh, Chairman of Planning, you as Leader of the Council, Mrs Barker as Deputy Leader and Member of the County Council, to actually get the County Council involved, because I'm sure we're not the only Council that is involved with it. So I do feel very strongly, but I realise we have to do it. Thank you. Councillor Howell, thank you. Um, Thank you, Chairman. I, I'm not a member of the Cabinet, and I'm quite relieved not to be, if I'm honest. Um, I, I don't believe that you should support things which you disagree with. I've, I've recognised that the law is the law, and if this were the case, um, 
frankly, we could dispense with local governments and not bother having elections and let's have diktat and decide the man in Westminster knows best. The, the events of the last two or three years around the local plan and the pressure that have been placed on this council to conform to government policy has frankly been intolerable. And, and it's not surprising so many members of the public share the frustration and frankly rage. Um, and I suspect that the rage is felt <laughs> amongst cabinet members as well. Um, I would urge you not to vote in support of this. There is no point voting for something if you do not agree with it. Um, and let's, let's sit and wait for it for the time being. You do not have to vote in support of something. Let's sit back and wait and see whether the government changes its mind. Thank you. Councillor Godwin. Uh, thank you. Can I simply support Simon uh, in this? Because I think if we, we're being asked to simply roll over against uh, uh, something we know which is wrong for our district. So I think we should for once take a stand, write to the government, write to everybody, explain why we're doing this, explain the nature of our district, get our points across, as many of which have been expressed in this room tonight. Councillor Ranger, and then we'll... Yes, Chairman, I'd just like to respond to Councillor Howells and Councillor Goodwin's points there. Um, were we not to to uh, adopt this policy, changing policy, um, we would throw the planning uh, process and the accounts department of this council into utter turmoil. Very briefly, Councillor Chambers. And, uh, That's all right. My question has been answered. Okay. Um, right. It, 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 I, I have already written on this matter to our Member of Parliament, uh, and I added the point about housing numbers because I'm not quite... There are similarities here. I just want to take members of the audience and those listening on a bit of a journey. When, uh, before the 2007 election, um, uh, sorry, general election, before the 2010 general election, um, there was a body, a regional body, who dictated the numbers, and um, uh, that body dictated that we should have about 450 houses per annum. Um, and we were upset about that uh, and were promised then that uh, if the, there was a change of government that it would be built from bottom up uh, with a more local approach. We chose uh, what we thought was good criteria, which was economic development. We thought that was sympathetic to our needs and that gave us a figure of about 325 at the time. Um, then it became apparent uh, that uh, what was happening in other district councils when they were putting forward their plan that different criteria were being considered. Uh, we took legal advice and uh, eventually, as you know, that figure came out at 523, which we felt was a, the appropriate figure. We were told by many it was too high. Uh, and then I think the rest, as you know, is history, that the inspector felt that more attention should be taken of market conditions, uh, which basically means the cost of housing in your area, and you should add at least 10%. So uh, we've seen this continual drift, drift upwards on numbers. So the idea that we uh, locally can determine our numbers is a complete myth and a folly and uh, I think uh, the coalition uh, should be more honest and say actually um, we are dictating the numbers we may not be stipulating them from the beginning but we're more or less telling you uh, by process of elimination and I think that would cut out some humbug there then we come on to this issue um, and I 
totally sympathise with all the comments of my Cabinet colleagues. Uh, this is totally frustrating. As I said, I've already written to Sir Alan on the matter. Uh, tomorrow I was scheduled to write to um, the uh, leaders. Uh, there's a leaders group in Essex, County, uh, Essex Councils, uh, the LGA, the CCA, which is the Conservative Councils Association, Brandon Lewis, who is the minister uh, responsible for this. My colleagues have just encouraged me, and I will obviously follow their desire to also write to the Secretary of State, uh, Mr Pickles, and indeed the Prime Minister. Uh, so I'll write to them all uh, along the lines that we've discussed this evening, because... Um, as I say, there is, there is the point about numbers, uh, but uh, we have – I wouldn't say that developers are happy to, to obviously pay a levy, but there is no problem, as the point has been stressed, uh, of them paying it because property prices in this area are high. When they build houses, they're quickly sold, and, and, and their contributions are absolutely vital to our community. Not only do we get an important source of affordable housing, and, 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 and um, listeners will be aware that we've got a waiting list of about 1,500 people and we're furiously trying to build more affordable houses, um, not only do they, but they also uh, contribute to um, important facilities. You've heard about an extra care home. We're talking about sporting facilities, potentially cycle paths, you, you, you know, a number of things that are considered important by our community. So it is basically, uh, this is Christmas time and time again uh, for developers who've got uh, smaller developments in the pipeline. And uh, nothing against developers, but uh, it, it, the balance in this occasion is wrong. Um, we can sort of second guess why the coalition have done this, which is to encourage more building. But in our community in particular, that is wrong. And uh, so we were right. But I do agree with my cabinet colleagues. We are a statutory body. Uh, we follow the law. Uh, we will certainly write. We will take up this uh, most vociferously, um, and, uh, but we have to follow the law. If we didn't follow the law, um, the developer would appeal. We'd pay in a huge amount of money. We'd get ourselves in a horrible mess, um, and uh, it would be irresponsible, and uh, I, I would not be leading the council, and the chief executive would not probably let us do this anyway. Um, so I'm afraid we have got to support this. I respect the abstentions, um, but rest assured, we will take this matter up uh, most forcibly. I think it's, 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 a, it's a very important one to, to our area uh, and is part of this total debate. Okay, on that basis, I put this motion to... I don't think it's been seconded. It hasn't been seconded. Could I have... Yes, it was. It was Councillor Ranger who seconded it. So I put it. Those in favour? Three. Four. Four. I beg your pardon. Four. Uh, those, those against? Those abstaining? Three. Item 12, uh, any other items which the Chairman considers to be urgent? He doesn't have uh, any. Um, I thank you for coming along. I uh, hope if we come back to Dunmo to see you again and uh, appreciate your participation. I hope it's been of use to you. Many thanks and good evening. Safe journeys.